Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. These are all the little Johns back here. So 3 John, there's only one chapter. We're going to head there first, and I'll, I'll get to that in just a second. But I wanted to explain this because I actually never did. The contentment picture that I picked is obviously a child jumping in a puddle. Do you remember when you thought that was the best? And now you're like, oh, I don't want to get wet. I don't want <laughs> So if you're wondering my thought on this picture, when I looked at it, I thought that's contentment right there. What is this kid thinking about? Nothing but that water going, huh. Now, the Lord asks us to be childlike. Not childish, childlike. Because faith is childlike. This youngster up here, and I don't know who it is, it's a stock photo. But this youngster up here doesn't care who's at war right now. They're not burdened down with all the problems of life. They're jumping in a puddle. I can just see adults doing this later if we have rain this week. <laughs> do you ever get around little kids and just watch what they do? Now, I know sometimes, you know, you got to correct things because you're steering them, right? You can't, they don't have adult heads yet. They have, they have kid heads, right? So, so you got to steer them. But if you ever want to know how to relax, watch your little kids having fun. They are not concerned whether the bills are going to get paid. They are not concerned about all the, the things that are going on in government. None of that. Now, I'm not saying we should just stick our head in the sand, but we should function in childlike faith without childishness. Amen? The Scripture says, cast half of your care on the Lord. It says what? Cast all your care on the Lord. Now watch this, because he cares for you and me, right? Now that care, that word there, they use care twice. The first one has to do with anxiousness and anxiety, worry. You're supposed to get rid of all that. But how many know God's care for us is not worry? Because that would be sin, right? And it's impossible for God to sin. It, he can't do it. It's impossible for God to lie. So his care for us is a watchful, providing concern. So he watches over us continually. Now, we talked about this last week. And, and I have to, we have to, uh, when you're taking the word of God and the sword of the spirit and you're developing a thought process in people's minds about who God is, you've got to cut through a lot of unbelief, even in believers, You've got to cut through the darkness that is in this earth that tries to uh, conform you to how the world thinks. See, the Lord doesn't want you to think like the world thinks. In fact, it's a, it's a, it's a statement in Romans chapter 12, verse number uh, 1 and 2, where Paul says, hey, present your body and, and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's your noodle up here. That's your brain, right? 
Your, your, your soul, your thinking, your, your, your ability to comprehend, your, this, the center of you where you're able to process, where your will is. The Lord wants that transformed into the reality of who Christ is in you. In other words, your spirit was born again. Your mind is still messed up. How many, have, uh, how many realize this? People sometimes, they'll do this to themselves. They'll go, I don't know why I just keep making the wrong decision. Because your thinking's in the way. You need to have a renewed mind to what the Lord has said about your life. And when you begin to make changes in accordance with his word, then his promises begin to manifest in this natural life. Do you know there are Christians that are petrified to talk to God? Because they think he's mad at them, and he's not. He's not. Now, there are, there are those that are lost, what the church world calls sinners, those that don't have Christ in their heart. They, have, they still have that sin nature, and they are petrified of God because they've been told that God is waiting for you to mess up so he can kill you. That's not true. If God wanted you dead, you'd be dead. Amen? How many think God could, like, get her done? You know what I mean by that? How many think the Lord, if he really wanted, you know, I've had people tell me, and uh, I'll share this real quick, but I've had people tell me, because I've invited them to church or whatever, and they say, oh, no, I don't want the roof to fall in. And I'm thinking, why does God want to kill me if he wants you gone? He ain't, if he wanted you gone, you'd be gone. Jesus so, the Lord, so strongly does not want you to suffer the results of sin and death that Jesus stepped in the way of it on your behalf. Well, you don't know what I've done. I don't need to know what you've done. I know what Jesus did. And I know his nature. His nature is... Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you laws and burdens and, and beat you down. And be no, no, I will give you rest. God's desire for you is joy unspeakable and full of glory. God's desire for you is rest, peace, contentment inside. The wonderful thing about the Lord is, and we see, we've seen this through this series, is that you can have contentment no matter what situation you're in because you have him. He's so good. He's enough. He's enough. And I, I find through the years, especially the longer I preach, the more I minister, you really have to go over how good he is a lot because uh, people don't believe it. Um, people struggle, I guess I should say, to believe it because we're so conscious of what's going on around us. So we looked at two passages for this series, John chapter 4, verse number 13 through 14, and you can jot that one down. Jesus is dealing with the woman at the well. You can read that later if you like or look it up on your phone. Thank God you, you ever, there's, there, you know, there's, anybody can have a Bible if they have a phone for free. 
You don't even have to pay for it anytime. <laughs> now, I prefer the actual ones you hold, but, you know, there's no excuse for not having one. So you could look that up later if you want. And then Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, I'll read it. It says, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. And so this morning, we're going to just wrap up our series on contentment, and we're going to end the series by looking at two important things, our meditation or what we think about or what we're thinking on, and then we're also going to look at what it means to quench fire, the fiery darts of the enemy, his thoughts, his, his accusations that come against us. And last week, we talked about what can happen in our lives if we allow discontentment to rule in our thinking. Now, this could be, this specifically is for believers, and we looked at in 3 John, verse 9, we looked at a gentleman named Diotrephes. How many are glad that's not your name? Okay. <laughs> Diotrephes. And, and I'm going to read in, starting in verse 9, and, and we looked at a few of these things, and I just want to touch it again lightly so we can move on. But he said, I wrote to the church. John has said, I wrote to the church. Actually, if you want to know the background on this, John had sent letters with ministers from him. John was the founder of this church. He had sent letters with ministers from him to this church in this area, and Diotrephes decided he didn't want to receive the itinerant ministers, the traveling ministers that John had sent to them. And so now John is writing a letter to respond to Diotrephes, all right? And he's going to correct Diotrephes and say, look, you need to repent. If you don't, when I come, you'll wish you had repented. Amen? That's what took place in this situation. In other words, he said, I'll just deal with it in person if you don't deal with it. I mean, it's better to deal with it before than it is after. Okay, well, that's just always better. So he said, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. Therefore, if I come, I will call to, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does. And this word is a, is a word we don't use today much, but pratting against us with malicious words. And I'll explain a little bit what that means. And not what? The last part of verse uh, number 10 says, and not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church. So what is Diotrephes' motivation? It's a lack of contentment. He's not content. Why is Diotrephes not content? Because he's not fellowshipping with the Lord like he should. His discontent, a lot of times, especially, you know, we're in the spirit-filled camp. It's called the spirit-filled camp. I've met a lot of people that are in the spirit-filled camp that are actually very discontent, and they think the Holy Spirit's leading them all over the place, and he's not. It's just their own discontentment. And this is something that we need to be aware of and watch out for. And so I wanted to bring this out, and this is directly, here's some phrases if, if you need to have the preeminence, if you have to have the lead in everything, if you have to be in control of everything, you might have a lack of contentment in your life. Something to look at, right? Because he loved to have the what? The preeminence. That phrase is in that verse right there in verse number 9. He loved to have the preeminence. That means he was fond of being first. He was ambitious of distinction. And we live in America. And in America, you know second place is no good. I need to have what? First place. 
Now, in some things, that's okay. But in some things, it's sin. Amen. I know, I heard like two amens and maybe a grunt. <laughs> Might have heard a grunt. In some things, that's okay. Like if you're competing in athletics, you know, if you're running and, and you're faster than everybody else, I don't think the Lord's going to say, now slow down, I don't want you to have this win. But, ooh, do I dare say it. <laughs> if it's the last donut, Okay, some of, some of you are not connected on the donut. I've got to find something else here. <laughs> if there's only, how many have seen the, uh, oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. How many have seen what some of those videos online uh, during Black Friday? And I've seen people like throwing haymakers at each other for a TV a TV? A TV. I can't believe those people sat in my chair. I've been going to this church for 30 years. It's not possible here, but you understand what I'm saying? Because we're only nine years old. But <laughs> I can't believe they said, listen, you don't need to have that seat. Turns out God will sit anywhere in the, in the, in the place. Have you ever seen those videos, though, on Black Friday? Over a TV? Now, Christians, now the world, we understand. I get it. Or a parent, they want, their child wants this toy. And they go ballistic or spend just crazy amounts of money to get that one toy for their child. You got to think about this. And as a believer, we need to think in terms of, okay, I can't get that one. But my God does supply all my need according to his riches and glory. Even, and this is what Diotrephes is not doing. He's not putting his trust in who? In the Lord. He's using position and power and authority that he's gained in the church to manipulate to try to get his way. Do you see what a lack of contentment will do? Well, I have to, uh, you know, uh, you've probably uh, seen this happen. Uh, people sometimes will, will uh, politic at work because they want the promotion or they want the raise. And so they'll go to their boss and in the midst of, uh, am I the only one that's ever experienced this on the job? <laughs> There's multiple people who want a position that's available and they've been working towards it. And so they'll seed little things that are not good about the other candidates in order that they will look good. Now, I'm talking specifically to Christians here. We need not do that. Why? Because if we're working as unto the Lord, it is the Lord who promotes and no man can stand in our way. And you may say, well, I didn't get the promotion. Well, the Lord has something better then. Do you see contentment is a measure? There's a, there's, a, there's a principle here of contentment tying to our faith that gives, that gives access for God to be able to work in our lives individually. Amen? 
And so you see here, he was, and then he was doing what? And I just mentioned this, he was pratting against us with malicious words. And that's what I was uh, giving a description there of concerning like a promotion or something like that. He does not receive the brother and he forbids, he puts them out of the church. What does that mean? That means he is using his position. He is controlling, dividing up the people in accordance what he, with what he would desire the end result to be instead of walking in what we call Christian love or the love of God which is shed abroad in our heart. How many know this, that the love of God doesn't care what skin color you are? The love of God does not care your background. It doesn't care whether you, uh, how you necessarily dress. The love of God does not look at people and go, we want, I actually had somebody say this to me years ago. This was probably 15 years ago. I had somebody, I was in another state and I was visiting somebody and they had a particular church and they were telling me about a conversation that they had between them and another church member and they made the, they, this comment was made that they didn't want a particular type of people in their church. I'm thinking, what? How, how do you even come up with that? Last time I checked, Jesus didn't care. He didn't care if you were uh, on the social end of super rich or super poor. He didn't care if you were a Jew or, I mean, it made the Jews mad that he brought in the Gentiles. They called him a wine bibber, a a friend of sinners. They called it, he said, you hang out with prostitutes. God is not in heaven going, I'll take this group, but not this group. For God so loved the <laughs> Who's in the world? Then you're loved. Receive it. How do I do that, preacher? I'll give you a chance at the end. If you just hang on just a little bit longer, I'll get you there. You could, and this is the wonderful thing. You don't got to do nothing. You just got to believe. Whoo. Thank you, Lord, I believed. Philippians chapter 4, last point, here we go. Contentment is tied directly to what we think about. We're talking about meditation and quenching. Let's wrap it up. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 8. We're still in Philippians 4. We just moved up a few verses. Finally, brethren, finally, brethren, Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. That word meditate means to calculate. How many have a calculator? On your phone, what do you do? You add things up, right? You can add things up on that calculator. You're supposed to add up all these things. It means to make an account. It means to reckon inwardly. It has to do with the idea of some people actually practice this on the wrong end, and it's called worry. (laughs) You're like, I just feel anxious all the time. That's because you're calculating the wrong things. Does that make sense? Now, did the Lord tell us to meditate on these things? Have you ever read this verse, are you like me, and you think, how am I going to do that? But just by the fact that the Lord says do this, that means we're empowered to do this. 
Notice it doesn't say try to do it. Do you know what trying is? Trying is you step out, and the moment you fail, you quit. Do you know what practice is? You do it. How many, when you went to practice, how many were in sports or something like that growing up or now, whatever? Do you, do you stop practicing because you get it wrong? You don't do that, right? You keep doing it again and again. Aren't you so thankful the Lord's patient with us? I'm so grateful. So he says, do these things. All right, the New Living Translation says this, fix your thoughts on these things. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. The Amplified says it this way, think on and weigh and take account of the things. And then it says this, fix your minds on them. I'm going to fix my mind on them. Um, The uh, message says it this way, filling your minds and meditating on these things. I just don't know why I'm thinking about or I have a fear about or because you have your mind focused on those. You're feeding yourself a particular direction. If I want to feed myself and think and live in contentment, I need to feed on biblical contentment. Amen? I need to feed on it, feed on it, feed on it. And he talks about the different things, and I'm not going to give the definition of all these things because we don't have time. But let's go to meditate. You can write just meditate there. In your notes, if you're taking notes, this is from two Greek words, and the two Greek words are logos and lego. (laughs) How many ever played with legos? It's that. Logos and lego, and it means this. It means accounting. This word means to put together one's mind to count, to occupy oneself with reckonings or calculations. It means to ponder. Now, I, I looked online for a Lego set of a brain. I couldn't find it. All I could find was, uh, you know how you can buy the big box like of Legos, the random one? And then I saw where people had put a brain together. But And I want to say that I don't want you to just think about your brain. I want to think about your mind. Your brain is the physical organ which your mind processes through. Okay? So when you think, well, there must, you know, because uh, people have actually had damage to their physical brain, and yet they function normally. How is that possible? Well, because they have enough of a brain for their, for their spirit, their mind, the soul part of them to function through to where there's not a permanent physical damage to that, okay? So when you think about your mind, you think about putting things together, when you think about Legos, when, when you buy a Lego set, all right, we're really getting into the childlike stuff here. We're jumping in puddles and we're playing with Legos. When you think about a Lego set, what do you get? You get a, when you're, you go to pick out a Lego set, there's a picture of what the set makes. You got that image in your mind now? Okay, there's a picture, right? There's something that shows what the end result should look like. So these words, if you meditate them, you are logos. This is the written word. That's Greek for the written word. And Lego, which is to put together. 
You're putting together in your mind the image of God concerning your life. And you are to give yourself to that. That's why I love the child of God song that we sang. You're saying over and over again, I am a child of God. And you're saying it over and then over and then over again. And what are you doing? You're putting this piece and then this piece and then this piece and then this piece. And then before you know it, people look at you and go, you're changing. What's going on with you? You're not worrying like you used to. You're not living the way you used to. You're not under this burden like you used to be. Your family's functioning better than it was before. Come on, you're increasing in accordance with the graces of God. What have you done? You've began to meditate who you are in Christ. You began to focus on Jesus in your life. You're living from the inside out rather than from the outside in. Therefore, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. You're meditating. You're building that thought in your mind. And out, how many have noticed this? And uh, my mother-in-law gave this to me years ago. It's such a, just a powerful statement. It stuck with me. Just, I read it once and I memorized it. And I mean, it just became a part of me. But she said this, she gave me this quote, it was on a, uh, a little saying on a piece of paper, and it said, guard your thoughts, because your thoughts become your words. Guard your words, because your words become your actions. Is that biblical? Do words become actions? James said they did. Then it says, guard your actions, because your actions become your character. Guard your character. Because your character becomes your destiny. So we need to logo and lego our minds. Meditation. We take the written word and we stack it. We let it build how we think. And that is key to maintaining biblical contentment. One of the statements that is made, and you can turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 16, and we'll finish right here on quenching. One of the, bit, one of the statements that is made in our men's Bible study that we have, uh, the, 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 not the current book we're in, but the last book we were in, Maximize Manhood, the statement is made that it is easier to obtain than it is to maintain. How many have found that true in your life? Well, I purchased this house. Whoo, it needs maintenance. Have you noticed something in this life? Everything new gets old. I'm going to make a statement, and you better laugh. <laughs> People, and I've said it, those that are part of the church, you know. Those that are visitors, it might be new to you. But I'll say this. The leading cause of death is birth. <laughs> I know people say, well, I'm going to cry. No, you better laugh about it. Because if you're born again, you've already passed from death unto life. So you don't got to worry about that. But I'm telling you what, how many know in this life things die? In other words, they need maintenance, which means if you don't guard your thoughts, 
the enemy will take you back to a place of discontent. Now let's quench his fiery darts. How about, okay? Ephesians 6.16 says, Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able, you will be able, you will be able to quench half of the fiery darts of the wicked one. What does it say? All of them. All of them. When it comes to uh, the fiery darts of the enemy. Now, now, Paul says a great statement by the Holy Spirit. He says, look, you have to take up the shield. Now, sometimes people go, preacher, pray for me. I need you to take up my shield. That's really what they're saying. What they're asking is the church or the preacher or whoever, their most, the most spiritual person they know in their life, to take up their shield for them. But how many know this? Eventually, you got to pick up a weapon in this fight of faith. You've got to reach down and take up. Come on. You've got to reach down and take up the shield of faith. These words are that armor. These words are that weapon. And I want to read something to you that we, uh, we had Doug Jones here a while back, and he has a book called Mastering the Silence. And on pages 86 through 88, he talks about what it means to quench uh, the fiery darts of the enemy. The word quench means to extinguish, extinguish, it means to suppress or to stifle. So he said this, what I am sharing, uh, he said this, the word quench is very interesting. This is from his book. It means to extinguish. A fire is extinguished as we cut off or remove its fuel source. Listen closely to this, please. The fuel source of thoughts is attention. Attention. What I give my attention to. Guard your... What are you letting... If I'm... If I'm just being bombarded by the enemy and I'm not and I'm not reaching down and taking up the shield. And and people say, Well, what do you mean by that? How do I stop a thought? Well, you can't necessarily Brother Hagan would say it like this. You're gonna love this if you're from Texas. <laughs> He'd say, You can't keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. Or if you don't have hair, on your head. <laughs> I'd say it like this. How many have ever been at a picnic? How many have ever had bees show up? Can you just stop the bees, per se? They're going to be around, right? But, but you don't have to let them place their hive. In other words, your spiritual battle is not going to end while you're here. You just need to get really good at taking up the shield and going smack. <laughs> the fuel source of thoughts is attention. When we remove the attention factor from the thought, we are in essence quenching the thought. The lifespan of a thought is determined by the amount of attention it receives. And the strength of a thought either increases or decreases depending on how much attention that thought is given. Entertaining the possibilities, mulling them over in your mind, is exactly what a thought requires in order to thrive. 
The more you entertain thoughts, the more they grow in strength. It's like adding another car to a freight train. The more cars you add, the harder it becomes to stop the train. Do you see it? On the other hand, turning your attention away from a thought and on to the other things, on to other things is a thought's worst enemy. When you are confronted with an attacking thought, turn your attention to what the Bible says. It has the same effect on that thought as turning your back on someone who is speaking to you and beginning a conversation with, uh, with another person. Thoughts detest being ignored. They flourish when they have your complete attention. Give God's word your complete attention and they'll dry up. Therefore, the act of quenching begins as we redirect our attention away from attacking thoughts and on what we believe about the truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace, faith, salvation, or we could say, and we could say, the word of God. Once your attention has been redirected from the thought to the word, your battle is half won, glory to God. The redirection of our attention will be the result of a decision of our will. This is not something that happens within us automatically. It occurs only within the vigilant. It occurs only within those who are making a conscious effort to maintain their thought life. So this concludes our series on biblical contentment. So let's purpose not to allow this truth to slip away from us. But rather, let's purpose to keep this truth in our thinking, in our speaking, and in our doing. In other words, let's walk in the truth until we can say with the Apostle Paul, For I have learned in whatever state I am to be what? Content. To be content. Judy, are you playing for me? Yeah, would you come please? I want to give people an opportunity to receive Jesus this morning if they haven't or rededicate their lives. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, for my own life, and the scriptures are true, and I think many could testify to this in here. If you want greater levels of rest in your life, greater levels of peace in your life, if you want greater levels of just, you know, we, we live in a culture today that overemphasizes trouble and stress and PTSD and all of these things. And it's not that it's not real, it's real. But the thing of it is, is it can be removed out of our lives and out of our thinking in the sense of, protecting the internal peace that we live in if we will focus on what the Lord said and remove what the enemy is telling us. Like, I know this right now. And I, this just comes up in my heart, and this happens all the time when I'm preaching. But there's people in here, you think you're worthless. And the reason why that was built into you, it could be that somebody that maybe you grew up with, like a parent, or it could be people that were you were around. Sometimes it happens in school, like in public school. Uh, when I was growing up, how many know, I'm sure you experienced this, there were the, the, the cool kids and then the not-so-cool kids, you know, and all that stuff. That, those situations, and when people tell you, 
you're ugly, you're worthless, you're not, you know, all of this stuff. That begins to shape how you think if you don't know how to fight it off. And most people don't. Most people are not living in discontentment because they just love it. They don't know any different. Because they've been brought up in a death-filled environment. And I'm here to tell you, the Lord does not see you as worthless. He sees you as worth the price of his blood. Come on, think about this. He's God. You think if God really wanted to, he could show up at your door with a suitcase full of gold bars and say, hey, I want you on my team. And I got these, I got all this. He could have given you a planet to try to win you over. Oh, I love this. Listen to me. Listen to me now. Even you Christians, <laughs> all of you, listen. The level of God's love was expressed with the highest gift he could possibly give. You are loved. You are loved beyond the universe. You are loved beyond anything. I, I, I want to say, I'm going to share this with you. couple weeks ago, maybe a week and a half ago, I was going through my, uh, doing my book study with my men's book, our men's book, and I was reading through it, and there's this whole chapter in there on the faithfulness of God, and I'm reading it, and I'm going over it, and I'm like, man, God, you are so good, and I am such a heel sometimes. And I'm just, but I'm, but I'm not, I'm not under condemnation. I'm just like so convinced of God's goodness, you know. And He's so patient with me. And and just thinking about that. And so I was, it was in the evening, so I was getting ready for bed. And I kind of, I went into my closet and I was just getting some stuff prepared. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. How many love it when the Holy Spirit speaks? To you? I mean, it's just like I wasn't reading the Bible. I mean, I love. He'll speak to me there too. But it was just one of those moments where I didn't hear a voice out here. There was no open vision, none of that. Side, but just the witness of the Holy Ghost on the inside of me that every believer has. And He spoke to me and He said, Sean. I have never been impatient with you. Whew. And it just hit me. He's never been impatient with me. Hear this. I, I know religion says other things, but, but I'm telling you, God cannot be impatient. Are you running your references in your Bible yet? Are you running them? Because you should be. He cannot be impatient. I quoted to you earlier that he is the God. He cannot lie. The Bible says God is love. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, love is love patient. Well, what about the wrath of God? What about all these things? Listen, 
the Lord knows whether your heart's open to him or not. That wasn't God going, I just hate them. Kapow! It was that person saying, I hate God. And God says, with tears through the blood and the stripping and the ripping apart of his son, he says, fine, if you don't want me, you can have what you want. I don't know about you, but I think I just preached the gospel. Well, we should, we, should, we should be against sin, absolutely, because it destroys people. We don't hate groups that are counter to, to God. We don't hate those people. I don't hate those people. Do I hate the sin? Absolutely. Why? It's destroying them. Will I do crazy things to get in their way so they don't drive off the cliff into eternity and be in hell forever? Which is a devil's hell, not a people's hell. It's not supposed to be. I know people go there. I know there's people there. But it was not created for the people. It was created for Lucifer and the fallen angels. God could have stood in heaven and yelled, I love you. He sent Jesus. He sent his son. Every head bowed out, every eye closed. Maybe you're in here today. Altar care if you'll come. Maybe you're in here today and you don't know the Lord and I want to give you that opportunity. Maybe you've walked away from the Lord. You think, he doesn't, he doesn't want me. He, no, he wants you. I'm telling you right now, this is your moment to receive him. So after that presentation, I'm not going to go through all the notes that I have here about it, but I'm just going to give you an opportunity. So if you want to say yes to Jesus and to the Father and to his plea to you, his heart to you, I just ask you to raise your hand where you're at. Thank you, yes. Anybody else? Yes, thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Yep, thank you, I see that. Anybody else? Yes. Yep, I see you. Anybody online, Michael? Thank you. All right, I'd ask you with heads bowed, eyes closed, everybody here praying together, would you please repeat after me, Heavenly Father, Thank you that your son Jesus came to this earth, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose from the dead so that I could receive forgiveness, become your child, and receive the gift of eternal life. I come to you now and repent of my sin. I not only receive your gift of forgiveness, but I give you all of my life, all of my heart. I believe you've accepted me because Jesus said, the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. You also said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thank you for saving me making me your child and helping me live for you in Jesus name 
Amen. Hallelujah. Now, before I let you go, I know there were about four of you that lifted your hand to receive Christ. And you'll see up here on either side of me, we have altar care workers. We have a new believers uh, pack. And uh, um, you want to lift that up for them just, just in general that we'd like to give you. So if you'd come up and see them after, they'll be able to help you with this. There's a Bible in there and a bunch of information that they'll be able to walk you through to help you in your relationship with the Lord and begin walking with Him. My biggest thing is, man, come back, let us love on you and disciple you. Amen? I mean, we're a, we're a loving family around here, and we're growing in it even more. Amen? So if you need prayer for anything else, altar care workers are available too. We like to get the salvations in there first. Do you receive anything today? Man, God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. We have youth group Wednesday night and then service again next Sunday. We'll see you. Bless you. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.